Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. After hearing Sister Burke's teaching on faith, we could, we could go home and be full already. And thank you, Sister Burke, for that wonderful teaching today. Amen. Our faith is rising. Amen. Our faith is rising. And today I want to uh, preach to you on give me children. Give me children. Now I want to explain that here in this message, and you'll find out here in just a moment what it's all about. Uh, but before I go into the word, and we're going to be turning your attention to the book of Genesis chapter 30, verse 1. The book of Genesis chapter 30, verse 1. And I'm going to go ahead and read that scripture to you today. If we could stand at the reading of the word, and then uh, we, will, we can be seated. Genesis chapter 30, verse 1. And when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children... Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, Give me children or else I die. She was desperate. Give me children or else I die. We need to feel that way. As a church, We need to feel that way as a church body. In souls. Give me children, God. Give me children. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Give me children. Now, I realize I have... I have three sons. And they have wives. And they have children. And I have grandchildren. And prophetically worded today, we will have more grandchildren. Give us children. Give us children, um, Lindsay, Jen, Franny, or lest we die. We love our grandchildren. We love our children. We love our children, not children anymore. They're young men. Thank the Lord for that. But before I go into this message today, I I want to say a few things that I feel as pastor that I need to say of awakening in our day and hour that we're in right now. And I want to say this before I go into my message, the Lord is coming. And the Lord is coming very soon. It's not a long time off. It's soon, more soon than what you can even think or imagine. And I do believe that this pandemic, um, there is a purpose in all of this. And this pandemic, actually, I believe if we use it properly, uh, sad that there is death, sad that there is sickness, sad for these things. But I do believe that if we can take a storm like this, It is a time for preparing the church of God for the future, for the very near future. The Lord is coming, and he is coming very soon. And I know that um, one of the things that I've always learned in in storms, uh, I might seem kind of strange, but I like storms. I like storms to a certain extent, you know, when the storm comes and everything passes and then there's like a newness or a freshness. Now, I don't like storms. I've, I grew up in Springfield, Missouri, and we lived on a plateau in Springfield, and it, was a, it always hit the tornadoes, or Joplin, Missouri, one of the terriblest tornadoes that I've ever seen, and I've seen tornadoes. I've, I've seen the results of tornadoes. But um, 
but I do know that, that it is a time of preparation when storms come. Say, storms of life come to us. It is a time that we as a church body make more progress during the midst of a storm than at any other time. You might not think that. You might not see that. But yet, when it's all said and done and you see the results of everything, it is a time where we can move forward faster and do greater exploits than ever at any other point. We need storms. And the storm of this pandemic, I believe, is preparing us for the Lord's coming as a church body. It has brought us to a point of more prayer. It's brought, brought us to more of a caution. It's brought us more to a, a point of being more aware of lives and the importance of life. And I believe it's brought us to more of an important time of thought that, it, you know, if we, we could end up in a place where our life could be taken. There's friends that we know, people we know, friends, even family members that have lost their life because of this pandemic. But storms can move us forward in a quicker manner than without the storm. But I want to say here today that the Lord is coming. And uh, I was stirred this past week as I, as I uh, listened to the, the messages and services of the General Conference online and, and also uh, some of the seminar, seminars and the teaching. And, and uh, I would recommend to you to uh, listen to uh, these things. You can go back and listen to them again. Uh, Brother Baxter has brought up a lot of very important thoughts of where we're at right now. But before I preach this message, I just want to say that there, there are some peace accords with Israel and uh, Muslim countries and Arab countries that have been signed here of recent. And uh, it's amazing how that they have been even titled the Abraham Accord. Uh, that is very significant because the promise was given to Abraham that Israel would have a land. And everything in this accord, everything from the front to the back, the middle, every bit of this accord of agreement of peace in the Middle East right now, which is an amazing thing, uh, is fulfillment of prophecy. And uh, everything in the accord lines up with the prophecies of the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. And it gives, actually gives Israel an open door, an open door uh, to start this process of going to the old law and offering sacrifices again. And that is the desire of Israel. They don't look at Jesus as being the Messiah. So they look at Jesus being a teacher, but yet they go back to the old law. And with this accord, it is opening up the door for Israel to start sacrifices and for us to enter in to a time of beginnings of great tribulation. And through these, uh, in the wording of this peace agreement that has been made with Israel and these other countries, and there's other countries that are lining up to to sign this accord and for there to be peace. There are wordings in this that parallels with these prophecies. And through this, we find that, that uh, how Israel will be able to build a temple on the Temple Mount. They were, they're not even allowed on the Temple Mount. We went up to the Temple Mount, me and my wife, and with a group, and the Israelites were not able to go up to the Temple Mount uh, because it was controlled by Muslims and uh, the Arab countries. So they were not allowed up there. But here, uh, just a few weeks ago, there was uh, a group of, uh, of Jewish people that went up on the Temple Mount. And um, they, for whatever reason, I don't know what it was, but they went on to the Temple Mount. And uh, there is an open door with these peace agreements for them to be able to start the building. They, the, the, the matter of fact, the embassy, which a picture up here shows me uh, standing in front of the plaque of the, of the embassy there. And then there's another plaque on the top that shows uh, the United States of America, the embassy uh, of Israel. And uh, this is a miracle in itself also. So 
the embassy is in Jerusalem, Israel's capital, and that's a part of this peace agreement. Israelites, of course, they stormed up onto the Temple Mount here recently, and uh, uh, for uh, various reasons, and that was an unusual thing for that to happen. Um, Israel also has plans. They have the plans already written and furnishings, uh, furniture to build the next temple. And here's what's interesting about it. The very last thing that is waiting for this to happen, of course, they need to build the temple, but some of the last things for them to be able to sacrifice is, as in the Old Testament, the red heifer. They need a red heifer without blemish that is perfectly red. And they have two red heifers right now. They have been inspecting them. They have examined them very closely. They want to make sure that, as in Israel's uh, vocabulary, that they are kosher. They want to make sure, sure that there are no flaws, that there are no white hairs on this, these uh, red heifers. And they are examining them for three years. And the three-year examination started August 28, 2018. So that lets me know that three years from that date, which is coming, is August the 28th, 2021. That they will finish, they will do another examination. And then their desire is in this process to start the sacrifice and start building the temple, which will be on the Temple Mount. And it is said that they will share the Temple Mount with the Dome of the Rock or the Muslims that are there. So I say this in all of this thought that these things that are transpiring right now is that the Lord is coming quicker than we even think. He could come before all of this comes about. He could take his church out in what we call the rapture even before these dates are fulfilled. But there is coming a day and it is happening and everything's falling into place right now that the Lord is coming and I ask the question, if you're not ready, or I make the statement, if you're not ready to meet God or stand before God, you better get ready. You better get ready. It's not time for games. It's not time to play around with God. Amen. It's not time to play around with his word. It's time to get ready to meet God. And I say that because we have a God that is ready for us to get ready to be ready, to walk with him, to serve him. Amen. So as I say that here today, there is also in this message, give me children. In this message, we find that, that it is important for the church in these end times for us to be ready to reach out and to reach souls, touch lives, touch people's hearts, bring them to a place of surrender. And where Rachel was at in this story, in the book of Genesis chapter 30 and verse 1, we find, and when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, natural children, when she bore no children, Rachel envied her sister because she had children. And it ate on her. It affected her. She needed something to to ease her pain and the only thing that would ease her pain and her desire and her craving and this hurt was to have children. And she said unto Jacob, give me children or else I die. That is how important that her having children was to her. It was not just to have a son to bounce on her knee, although that was that is the craving of a mother. It was not just for her to have a son or a child just to to have fun with, uh, to to uh, play with, play games with, whatever. That was a big part of it. But it was more than that. It was a part of a promise that had come from God that the children of Israel would be blessed beyond the stars of the sky and also above the sands of the sea, that they would be blessed. And this was a part of that promise and this was a part of that blessing.
I know that here recently uh, it was National Daughters Day. Uh, I believe they celebrate that on September the 25th every year. National Daughters Day. And some of you celebrated National Daughters Day. And uh, I, I know that there's also what they call a Children's Day. Uh, I believe it's a, a world and also U.S. Uh, day, which is Children's Day. It's the second Sunday in June. Uh, in the U.S. every year to be aware of the welfare of children and to spend time with them and give honor to them and help them and strengthen them because children are faced with a lot of tough, tough situations of life. And I'm sure that there's probably a National Son's Day and I'm sure there's a National Father's Day, which we know Father's Day in America and Mother's Day and and I'm sure there's a National Husband's Day and a National Wives Day and, and I hope there's a National Pastor's Day. I don't know. There might be. I, maybe we could start that. I don't know. But maybe there is, and I, I hope if there's, if there's just a National Pastor's Day, that there's a National Congregation Day, Landmark Day. That's, that's a beautiful thing. Thank God. If it wasn't for the congregation, I wouldn't be here preaching to you. I'd be preaching to myself. And... I don't always like to hear myself. Matter of fact, I don't even like to hear my own, the recordings on the podcast. Sometimes I don't like to hear those mistakes and all of that. But there is a national day for many things, but yet National Daughters Day, National Children's Day. But the desire to have children, uh, the desire for a child placed in the depths of a soul of a mother by God, it is the natural desire for her to have children. And here Rachel was in that position and she was being buffeted every day when she looked at her sister and saw that she had children, but yet... Uh, she couldn't have children. And it was a craving, and it got stronger and stronger. The storm began to move uh, Rachel into a place of greater desire, greater craving, to the point where she said, nothing else matters. Give me children or else I die. And in God's timing, of course, she eventually had children, uh, she had children uh, by her and Jacob, which the first one was actually Joseph. And she also had a child by Jacob, which was Benjamin. And Benjamin, in that birthing, she passed away and didn't get to see Benjamin grow up and didn't get to see Benjamin walk and didn't get to see Benjamin talk and didn't get to see Benjamin as he grew up into a teenager and became a man. But he was a part of the promises. Joseph and Benjamin were a part of the promises of God that God had given to Rachel and to Jacob. But you see that craving, that desire, that hunger within the heart and soul that was placed there by God. And I believe it was, I believe that it was even stronger and stronger as it began to engulf in her soul as she couldn't have children. You know how it is. When you can't have something, then we tend to want it more. Uh, that's the way the flesh is. If we can't have it, we tend to, to want it more. If someone uh, has a child chocolate cake. I don't know why I always go back to food, but that definitely means a whole lot to this pastor. But uh, if someone, Paulie, if you got a chocolate cake and you're just kind of sitting there in front of me and say, I'm going to eat this cake and, and, and I can't have it, you know what it makes me want to do? It want, makes me want to get some of that. It makes me want to talk you into it. Come on, you can give me a little piece of it. Just a little piece but if you don't get it, you can't have it. Sometimes you want it more. And something was created within the desire and heart and craving of Rachel. I am at a point, she said, that if you don't give me children, I'm going to die. And Jacob said, who am I? I'm not God. God is the one that has done this. But yet when God began to, to remember Rachel, she had a child. And she had another child, and they had a great impact upon the history of Israel and the leading of Israel to that promise, Joseph and Benjamin. There's another story in the Bible about a woman that was craving a child that couldn't have it. Her name was Hannah. Hannah, in the book of 1 Samuel, 
chapter 1 had the same burden and the same desire. And for a child, she couldn't have a child. But what I want to say here today is for us to forget for a moment in this story about Hannah that this was about her blood son. It was to a certain extent. But it was more than that. It was about a promise giving back to God. It was about giving back a promise unto the Lord and the Lord remembering her. She was buffeted. She was attacked. She was, she was made to feel very low because she couldn't have a child. But what I want to think about here today is not about her blood son and her desire to, for a blood son. Uh, think about a child that she birthed into the kingdom of God because what I'm talking about here today is I'm talking to the church. When we look at these two stories, we need a craving, craving and a desire just like that. God, give me a child lest I die or else I die. If we don't get to that point, we're just, we're just going to be floating in the wind. We're just going to be going through the motions. We're going to be clocking in and clocking out at church. But when we go for a period of time, I get nervous when people don't receive the Holy Ghost. And I know that you, you do too, but there's got to be more of a desire than that. There's got to be more of a craving than that, that there are souls out there right now that want to hear the gospel message. They want to hear about deliverance. They want to be delivered themselves. They want to be set free from the bondage of sin. And the devil wants you to think that there is nobody out there that wants to hear this message. Guess what? We were those that were at one time, someone thought, you're not going to listen to what I have to say. But when someone came my way and began to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, I wanted to be ready. I prayed in my bed at night and I cried out to God, God, I want, I want this. I don't know how to get it. I don't know everything about it, but I want salvation in my life for me and my family. Oh, but today Hannah had that strong desire to have a child when she was barren. Hannah's barrenness brought forth a vow. It says here in the Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 1, now there was a certain man of Ramium, Zophim, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth and Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah and the name of the other was Peniah. And Peniah had children, but Hannah had no children. But it says here that the Lord had found a certain man at this strategic time and place. God began his plan as he almost always does with a person that he can use. He started this with a certain man, not just any man. It was a man that was obedient to the commandments of the Lord and to the laws of that time. Of course, God could have done the work himself. God could have even called the angels and they could have took care of it or he could have done it by other means to reach uh, out and fulfill this promise. But he chose a certain man. What I say here today is God is choosing certain men and women of landmark to do a work and get hungry and desirous for people to be filled with the Holy Ghost and for people to find repentance and be baptized and buried in the name of Jesus Christ and for them to receive victory within their lives. But it takes certain men and women that have a craving within their heart and soul to reach out into the lives of others. Don't let the devil tell you that people don't want to hear this in this present world. There is a preacher of our organization that went into Minnesota and he, began, he, he went into that city and there was protesting and things going on and he began to stand there and preach the word of God and people began to gather around him and they began to pray people through to the Holy Ghost. You might say people don't want to hear it. I'm here to tell you that God is saying he's looking for certain people that have a craving within their heart 
to give me children, God, or lest I die. Amen. It's going to take a craving. But Elkanah had two wives. Now, this was polygamy. I understand that. Uh, It was a a fact of life in the ancient world. Not saying that it's right, but it was a fact of life in the ancient world. However, the Bible never puts polygamy in a favorite light by any means. Matter of fact, Adam and Eve, Adam didn't have more than one wife. He had one wife. That's the way God designed it. But, But yet... And because of this, and all through the Bible, strife and conflict always characterizes polygamous families in the Bible. Strife and struggle. Um, there, there was an intense competitiveness in this relationship between the two wives, Paniah, who had children, and Hannah, who had no children. There was a battle that was going on, and it was going on every day. Matter of fact, it it even made it stronger when they went every year to Jerusalem to worship, as Elkanah did, and he took his family with him. But uh, you can look here at this type, and this is a very important type here, that Paniah, in her character, evidently was some evil there of stirring things up. People that stir things up, that's an evil thing. Trust me, it's an evil thing to try to stir up strife and break unity within a group, whether it's a business or whether it's a, whether it's a church or whatever. But let me tell you something. Satan, Satan was a part of this type of Paniah, stirring her up. I've got children, you don't have children. I've got a son, you don't have a son. I've got a, I've got a daughter, you don't have a daughter. And continually agitating and agitating. But yet, we find here flaunting it and, and agitating it. A child of God that desires children, craving children, as Satan sometimes, think about this, as Satan many times tries to agitate the church and say, I have these children that are bound to hell. I have these children that are bound by drugs and alcohol and struggle and, and pain and hurt and, and, and thievery and adulterous lifestyle, all this and that. And I've got them in my hands and I've got them and he's going to agitate and flaunt them for, for the church and say, look what I have. And it's going it, to, at some point when we see souls that are hurting, that are struggling, that are bound by habits, that are bound by struggle and the world is flaunting them before the church, that should stir something up within the body of Christ. It should get us to the point where we're like Rachel and we say, God, I've got to have children lest I die. I've got to reach out to a soul lest I die. Can we get to that point in our burden and in our desire that when the world and Satan flaunts lost souls before us, people that are that are that are dying and they're dying lost. Doesn't that stir something up within your heart and your life as a church body? Amen. It should stir something up within us that we get desperate for God and say, God, give me children lest I die. Lest I die. Elkanah and his family, they journey to the tabernacle every year just like they always did. And this man went up out of the city yearly to worship and to sacrifice. Verse 3, unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Paniah, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters, portions. Verse 5 says, but unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. It was the Lord that did that for a purpose. I believe that that shutting up of her womb created such a hunger within her, such a hunger within her that she couldn't get past it. She couldn't get by it. It, 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 it escalated. It got bigger and bigger within her heart and life. But her adversary, the Bible says, she also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. That's what the world's doing right now, flaunting before us as a church body, 
that I have souls, I have lives, and these lives are going to be destroyed in hell, and I'm flaunting them, I'm shaking them before you and letting you know I have got the victory. That's what the devil wants you to think. But I'm here to tell you today that God is saying to this church, the world and Satan does not have the victory. Satan is not the victor. I've read the back of the book. And Satan is not the victor in this. It's time for the church to arise in not just revival and reviving us. It's time for the church to arise in the point of harvest, in a hungering and in a thirsting for lost souls. We were one of them. We were there. Someone came our way and cried out to God for us. And that's where God is trying to bring us to. Uh, amen. This man went up from his city every year according to the law of Moses. Uh, Israelites could not worship God through sacrifice at any time in any way they pleased. They were to bring the sacrifices to the tabernacle and the priests, which at this time were at Shiloh, and they brought them there. But he would give portions, Elkanah would. Brought his family each year to the tabernacle for sacrifice. He ate a ceremonial meal at the tabernacle with his family, giving portions to his wives and to their children. And he showed his favor and love to Hannah by giving her a double portion. A double portion. And she wept. She wept. She couldn't eat. She couldn't eat. She was so upset. This agitation to get her to fret, to get her to get all upset. And she wept because of the conflict between the two wives and the struggle. We need to weep sometimes because of the conflict that's going on between the world and the church. The church is the victor. We know that. We have a message of the word of God to preach and teach, to show people the way to the cross. But you see, it's, she was troubled by this conflict that can continue to go on and on. And it is, possible for, it is possible for problems at home or in our lives to make your time at the house of God a miserable time. This is what was happening in Elkanah's family. It's important for us to get past those things. When we walk into the house of God, we need to give all of our praise to God. We need to get those things. You know, the devil knows these things. He knows when the hair doesn't comb just right. He knows when, when things just, when there's wrinkles on the, on the outfit and you're getting ready to walk out the door and you don't have time, you're running late. He knows those things. I know I can get a smile on that because I know people have faced that. Uh, let me be honest here. I have faced that. So sometimes that's the reason I just come to church with no iron. My wife irons my clothes, and sometimes I do, but she, she does a great job with it. But she is so busy sometimes. But sometimes I just walk out the door and hope you don't see it <laughs> if there is a wrinkle. I picked up a tie today. It's a brand-new tie, and I was going to wear it. My wife bought it for me. I was going to wear it. I held it up, and I thought... I'm going to have to go wrinkle or go wrinkle that tie. I'm going to have to, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to go iron that tie, and I don't have time. I've got to get to the house of God. So I set aside, and at some point I'll I'll get an iron here and wear it. So I chose another tie that you can wad this thing up and throw it in the corner, and it won't wrinkle. But you see, sometimes the the, the devil knows when things agitate you. And he knows when he can get you upset where you can say, I don't even want to go to the house of God. I don't want to go with this attitude. You know what? You need to go with that kind of attitude. This is where you need those kind of attitudes. You need to walk in the house of the Lord carrying your baggage. You need to walk in the house of God carrying your struggles. Amen. Storms are when you get things right. Storms are when you get things fixed. And in the house of God, when, I, when I've messed up, when I've failed, when, when I've struggled, when I'm in a, a midst of a, a hardship, this is where I need to be, in the house of God. But it's possible that they had their struggles from the problems at home and in this conflict that affected their worship 
in the house of God. But, but Hannah, she said, I can't eat. Uh, I, I've, got a, I've, got a, I've got a desire. I've got to have a child. Uh, Hannah was at the house of the Lord with a blessed double portion in front of her and she can't enjoy it uh, because of the struggle and conflict that was going on. Something was being stirred with inside of her. What God is wanting is something to be in, be stirred within the body of Christ, within the heart of the very, very core of the church, this church. I'm not talking about any other church right now. I'm talking about landmark. I'm talking about God is wanting to create something within inside of us that we cannot get aside of it. We can't get around it. There are souls that we love. There are souls that we care about. There are friends. There are family that need to hear this gospel message and the world's dangling them souls in front of us with all of their struggles and with all of their heartaches and with all of their pains and with all their, their hurts and what we're seeing is that there is a craving inside of us when we see a soul that we have the message, we have the word, it's the cross, it's Jesus, Brother Luke, amen. He is the answer, he is the, he is the prescription for our lives, for us to just find Jesus. We can lead others to Jesus. Oh, here Hannah sat at the house of God with a double blessing, double portion, and she couldn't even enjoy it because of the battle that's going on. We enjoy the presence of God here. We enjoy the flow of the Spirit. Thank God for it. It gives us strength to go on. But it's not all about just us making it. It's about us reaching and discipling other people along the way. There's a lot of other people out there that are just like us that need to hear the gospel message. The Lord is coming. There is a God that will set us free. Amen. But the Lord had closed up Hannah's womb. It seems strange that Paniah, who seems of a bad character, was blessed with children, and Hannah wasn't. It sometimes irritates you. You know, you see people that you don't think deserve certain things, and they're getting blessed, it seems. And here I am sitting with no children. But what I'm saying here today is that storm and that struggle is creating a desire and a craving within your heart well, you will step up and make change. How do you do that? You do it in prayer, praying for souls, not just always praying for yourself uh, to help me make it, but you're praying for souls. You're praying for those that are lost. You're praying for those that are bound. You're praying for those that need a message of hope and mercy and grace and love. Amen. From a God that cares, they souls on the street corner right now in Bourbon Street in New Orleans, I've seen them laying there. I've seen them there with nothing. Thing, uh, but just the clothes on their back with their hair matted. Uh, I've seen them laying there and I've seen a soul that God cares about just as much as he cares about you and me. Uh, he cares about the heart hurting. Uh, he cares about the, those that are lost. Uh, he cares about everyone. Uh, amen. He cares about those that have lost loved ones. Uh, he cares about their needs today. And if he cares, and we're going to be Christ-like, we need to care. To the point where we say, God, give me children. Give me a soul, lest I die. That is where we, as a church body, need to be. There are souls out there beyond these walls right now that are hurting, and they need the message. But Hannah, she wept. Why do you weep? Why do you weep? Elkanah said, Am not I better than ten sons? She prayed to the Lord. Hannah was in bitterness of soul and great anguish, yet she did the right thing. She was in travail. Any woman that's ever had a child, they understand there's travail. And when you go into travail, it will make you weep and cry, and it'll get you to the point with anguish but when that child is born then all of a sudden that happiness and joy comes and the Bible even says you forget the pain and the struggle that you go through when you see that child it's the same thing with the church the struggle, the pain that we go through to reach souls 
gets forgotten when we see a life that is set free from the bondages of sin. Amen. But she prayed in the bitterness of her soul. That's, that's called travail. That's what we do when we pray for souls. We travail in great anguish, yet she did the right thing. Hannah took those bitter and anguished feelings to God honestly in prayer. Amen. Lord of hosts, Hannah began her prayer by calling on the Lord of hosts. You know what that means? This title is used about 260 times in the Old Testament and has the idea of the Lord of the mighty armies. Lord of hosts means Lord of the mighty armies. She was calling upon the Lord of the mighty armies. Hannah felt attacked by her rival. She so called on the Lord of the mighty armies to her protector, her guide, her one is going to help her through this battle and she's going to overcome. What we need to do is go up against the enemy of the church and that is Satan. We need to cry out to the God that is our protector and the one that is over every army, the almighty one, the Lord of the mighty armies, not just any army but the mighty army, the God that will take care of these needs and we need to pray for souls. We need to pray for souls. If people hadn't prayed for my soul, I wouldn't be here today. If people hadn't prayed for you, you wouldn't be here today. She made a vow in this prayer. Hannah promised her, her son to the work of the Lord, vowing he would be a Nazarite from birth. I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. According to Numbers 6, the vow of a Nazarite included several things, but it was a commitment and a vow to God during this time. And I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. All the days of his life. And she wept and cried. And you know, the priest, Eli, he saw her weeping, crying to God. And when she told him what she was praying for, he said, God will fulfill this. And what happened, Sister Burke, faith, everything changed. Everything changed. Her countenance changed. Her heart changed. Joy came to her again because she believed the word that was spoken to her by the prophet, the priest. You see, when we cry out to God, souls, Hannah was wanting a child. But this is equivalent to, when we talk about the church, to souls. There was a point where Elkanah was going to go back to worship again. But Hannah was saying to Elkanah, I will not go until the child is weaned. In that culture, a child was usually not weaned until two years of age or sometimes three. But what was she doing, which is a example of the church what she was doing is she was putting herself into that child to get the best out of his life she took personal interest in weaning the child to nurture him and to care for him and to protect him and to teach him and to guide him and to put a little of her life into this child's future of how to pray, how to get a burden, forgive me children, lest I die. To put in him a discipleship spirit to reach others. It's hard to lead people out of darkness of sin if we're still in darkness ourselves. Children many times follow the example of those nurturing them. So winners, when they reach souls, the people follow in the example of how you worship, how you pray, how you commit yourself to God, how you walk with God. No, it doesn't mean you have to be perfect, but it does mean you got to come out of darkness before you can bring others out of darkness. I'm talking to a church here today that we cannot be happy without birthing. We cannot be thrilled without birthing. We cannot, we've got to cry out to God until we see someone repent in an altar. I'm talking about repentance, not just 
God forgive me and I'm going to go back and do what I always do. I'm talking about a repentance where somebody has been truly set free. I'm talking about a repentance that, that they've got to come to that point of giving everything to God. For the water baptism, waters are being stirred. They don't become stagnant in the name of Jesus. I'm talking about an altar where the power of God's spirit fills somebody with the Holy Ghost to the point where they get caught away in the power of the Holy Ghost and begin to speak in tongues as not we give utterance but as the Spirit gives utterance. It's a supernatural power of the Almighty God. Rachel said give me children lest I die. That needs to be the mantra and the cry of the church today. God give us children lest we die. A personal work, a burden to give birth to a soul. We cannot be happy without a birthing. God, give me, she said, give me children lest I die. That's what Rachel said. Give me. Give me. Give me a personal work. Give me a burden to give birth to a soul. Give me one that I can pray and travail over. Give me one that I can lead to the cross of Calvary and the blood can flow over their lives. Give me one that I can lead to a savior, one that I can pray through to salvation. Give me a child, one that I can nurture through God's word to show them how to live for God. One that I can protect with a covering of prayer one that I can show how to live through the scriptures, one that I can teach to not just live for God, but to disciple somebody else along the way. Amen. I remember my uh, my spiritual fathers. I remember those that discipled me. I watched them closely. I didn't know how to worship. I didn't know this thing about lifting your voice to God and, and surrendering to God, raising my hands to God, but I watched them and how they worshiped, I began to worship. It was a little bit uncomfortable at first. I didn't understand it all, but the more I got to doing it, I got to a point where I couldn't get enough of it. Amen. I watched how they walked. I watched how they read the word of the Lord. I watched how they prayed in a prayer room with a bunch of young people before church. And I was in that prayer room too because they led me there. I wanted more. God, give me a soul that I can nurture and that I can teach and that I can show how to live for God. One that can teach others to decide, others discipleship. One that I can instill this same burden in them to give me children lest I die a disciple maker and one that I can dedicate to God. Because the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming, and we've got to be ready ourselves, but there's a whole lot of people out there that don't know God, and we don't have much time. As we stand here today, the coming of the Lord is upon us, and God is calling us to have a burning desire, a burning desire to give birth to a soul and to nurture them because the Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 24 37 through 44 which shows the day that we're living in today but as the days of Noah were so also the coming of the son of man be for as in the days that were before the flood they were eating and drinking they were married and this is unique in the scripture here it also says they were marrying it says they were giving in marriage I look at that as giving in marriage without the marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away 
so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. That would be a terrible feeling. To be standing beside somebody that is ready to go or not. Your friend's taken, but you're not. Then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken, and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken, and the other left. Watch, therefore, the Lord saying, For you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched it would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, think not, the Son of Man cometh. For in an hour that you think not, when's the last time we thought of the coming of the Lord? Has it been a while? Has it been a while? Probably has for many of us. But watch. Be ready. Make things right. Because when we make things right and we're ready, there is a whole new horizon ahead of us. Not just for us to just barely make it, but for souls to make it too today God is calling us to a burden of give me children else I die can we come to this altar today or find an altar in this house today and cry out to the Lord Lord give me children or else I die show me the way we need a prayer every morning God show me the direction to somebody that I can talk to that I can pray with, that I can reach out to. Give me children, Lord, else I die. Let's catch that burden today. We've got to get ourselves where we need to be with that burden before we can help anybody else. Church, God's touching our lives. He's preparing us for this hour of harvest. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I cry out to you, God. 